today we're going to look at the next part of the, of the prayer, which is to forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Um, after, the, after we do the Lord's Prayer together, you're going to watch a conversation that um, I had with a very good friend of mine, Gav Cutler, um, who's a fellow uh, trainee church leader. Um, and Gav talks about his life. And at this point, I, I need to let you know that Gav is going to talk about um, that he was nearly abducted as a child. Um, he's going to talk a little bit about the fact that he went through um, an abusive experience as a child. Um, he talks about his drug addiction and overcoming that. Um, and, and getting free from his past. And Gav's story is a, a story of hope and not despair. And the point of him telling us what happened in the past is, um, is not necessary to kind of dwell in that, but to, to know that whatever we've been through, that there's hope in Jesus and that Jesus can point to a way out. Um, however, before we started, I've never done this, but I did want to give a bit of a trigger warning that if you've, if you've had abuse in your past, you you may want to hit the pause button now. You may want to go and make a cup of tea and come back in 12 minutes. Um, that understand that pr- uh, forgiveness and healing is a process and some people are ready now. Some people are not quite ready either. Um, it may also be a service where you, you might not want your children to watch it. You may want to watch it first and see for yourselves if you think that um, it's age appropriate for them. Um, Gav doesn't go into detail. Just wanted to make that clear. Um, However, we're aware that this is an incredibly emotive subject um, and it's one that um, it's, it, it can be quite painful for some people to hear. Um, forgiveness is probably, I think, the most difficult subject to discuss, to process, to talk on, um, because it, it is in and of itself. The reason that we have to forgive is because some, something painful has been done to us somebody or something as painful has happened and the forgiveness is, is, is a concept it's only applicable if, if there's pain attached to it. Um, however, the concept of forgiveness, it is there really evident within the Lord's Prayer. So it's not something that we can skip over, um, but I do appreciate that this can be really hard for some people to process. Um, so that's, that's for some of you who, who um, may need to hear that this morning. Um, but for the rest of us, we're gonna recite the Lord's Prayer and then we're gonna go into the video and then we're gonna have a time after the video as well. So, where you are at home, after me, all together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Hey St. Peter's, good morning. Thanks for joining us again today. We're in the middle of our series on the Lord's Prayer and today we're going to look at the verse that says, Lord forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And this morning I've invited a good friend of mine, Gav Cutler, to have a conversation on the topic of forgiveness. Welcome Gav and thanks for coming to South East London. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Um, We can see that across society, literature, culture and song, that we know that we should forgive. Um, I mean, Gav's favourite song from the film Frozen, Let It Go, is all about um, letting go of our past, about things that have hurt us. I mean, that song has been watched over two billion times alone on YouTube, let alone all the other platforms out there. Um, And I think that it probably caught something of the public's 
consciousness because we, we do know that we need to move on from our past. Um, but things can be so painful that they can often hold us a lot back. So today we're going to dive into um, Jesus' teaching on prayer. And Gav and I, as I said, are going to have a conversation um, a bit on Gav's past, um, a bit on addiction um, and, some, um, and forgiveness and how we can move forward from there as well. Um, so Gav and I know each other because we're both training together at Samaritan College. We're training to be, to, to be selected for ordination. Um, and we actually share a room every time we go away. So we know each other very well. Um, so Gav, I just want to start. Why don't you tell us a bit about your, your journey into being training for ordination? So my journey into being training for ordination, um, basically, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, um, which we'll get on to shortly. But after I had that encounter for the Holy, with the Holy Spirit, it, um, it made me look at my life and think, what am I doing with it? And from then, I wanted to go and, and start working for the church. So I went and spoke to, um, spoke to my vicar and explained what I wanted to do, and then from that I went through a discernment process. Yeah, and so you're on a different pathway to yes. where you were to start with. Why don't you tell us a bit about the Peter Stream? Yeah, so the Peter Stream is um, it's like a new stream of um, a pathway to become ordained. So you've got Peters and Pauls in the Bible, and Paul is, if you like, the academic type, and then you've got Peters that are not so academic, but come from different kinds of backgrounds, um, and to be ordained, you need to go through college, you need to, be, um, to get a degree, and that's sometimes more difficult for people of a Peter nature. So the Peter stream was um, invented to give people with, people with uh, less opportunities in life to be able to have an opportunity of becoming ordained. Right, so they're trying to broaden out the type of vicars that will be um, Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. So people from estates, people from um, ethnic minorities, people that aren't your usual vicar type, if yeah. you like. But you're not what people would mostly think of when they look at uh, a vicar. Um, did you always want to be a vicar? No, definitely <laughs> not. This was not the path that I had chosen. Um, but I'm so grateful that I'm on it now. Um, no, I, previously I worked in, in retail and in marketing. Um, and then, like I say, I had that, op that encounter with the Holy Spirit and things just accelerated massively from there to be on the track where we are now. Great. So did you grow up in a Christian family? What, what was your childhood like? So <clears throat> my, um, I wasn't, didn't grow up in a Christian family at all. My name was a Christian, but I was baptised as a baby, um, but that's basically where it ended. My childhood growing up, to bullet point, um, I'm one of three siblings. Um, my mum and dad grew up in a, a family home together. In terms of life events, I had um, two, two attempted abductions. Um, there was abuse in there and left school at 16 and went into, into working straight away. And then in terms of adulthood, I've been married, got two children, divorced, married again. I've got two, two babies on the way, twins on the way during, in about four weeks' time. Good luck. Um, and there's, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need it. And then um, there was addiction in there as well, which I'm sure wow. we'll probably talk about. So you said that, uh, you, said that you, uh, you were nearly abducted twice. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit? Uh, so f age, age um, times, it sort of 
are a bit faded to me now, but probably around about sort of seven years old, I was on my driveway and two men were walking up the road with a, a human-sized box is probably the best way to describe it. And they got to the end of my drive and they pulled out a knife. Um, I went mad, ran indoors, called for my mum. She came out and the guys were running up the road with, with the box. And that sent me into like a spiral of complete fear. Wouldn't leave my house, just completely owned by fear, basically. And uh, after, I don't know, maybe sort of 12 months or so, 18 months, um, there was a boy who lived around the, around the corner and his mum knocked on the door. I didn't know him, she knocked on the door and said, I've got a son, I'd love to, I've seen that you've got a son, we'd love to like, see if they want to have play dates. And she built up my, my courage basically to, to walk around to, to their house, which was probably a four minute walk away. Yeah. Um, so she'd meet me at the end of the drive and then the next time she'd meet me like next door's drive and so forth and built up my courage, like I say. And then one day it got to the point where I was going to do the journey on my own. And she gave me a whistle and she said, call me, I'll stand on my doorstep. If anything happens, blow the whistle. And I set off down the road and then someone pulled up on the pavement and tried to grab me in their car. And again, complete fear it took. You ever jumped into like a pool of cold water, like yeah. an outdoor pool, and it takes all your breath away and you can't breathe. It was, it was like that, basically. Um, and then again, that sent me back into fear for everyone wanted to abduct me. Yeah. Yeah, scared to go out. It's traumatic. Hugely. And, then, and you said you also um, suffered abuse when you were a kid. Yeah, so um, about 11, 12 years old, um, I was abused by a family member. Um, yeah, what do you want me to say on, on that in terms of... Um, I guess how, um, maybe how it affected you as a kid. In terms of how it affected me, so when it happened, I, again, I froze on, in the spot, basically, where it was, where it, where it happened. And, again, fear, and I, I left, after it happened, I left the, the, the house and completely shut down on myself. I didn't, I didn't tell anybody about it. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell my nan. I didn't tell like my my brothers and sisters. Um, yeah, it just completely. It's shame, I suppose. Yeah. Um, that came over me from it. I felt like I, I was old enough to be able to stop it. Is what I I thought. Eleven, twelve years old. I thought I should be able, I should be old enough to say stop. No, but I didn't, and I held on to that for a long time actually. Mm. Of why did I let it happen? I was old enough to, I was big enough and strong enough to, to stand up to, to him, but I didn't, so. Yeah, so you, so you couldn't tell people? I couldn't tell people. And then did you tell people eventually? So yeah, eventually, um, we had a caravan, static caravan down at, the, down at the beach in Herne Bay. And one summer, um, we went there with my cousins, my brother and sister, and my cousins went with my aunt. And she, I can remember sitting up one evening and we were talking and, she, and my aunt said something like, oh, you know, if anyone ever does anything to you, you need to tell, tell your parents or... And my sister turned around and said, oh, some, that's happened to me. And then my brother said the same thing and I had, that gave me the confidence to speak up to it. And that was the first time that any of us had told anybody. Yeah. Um, 
And it turns out, yeah, he'd abused me, my brother, and my sister. Um, and my aunt told my parents, and they questioned us about it, but it never went any further. It wasn't reported to the police. It was kind of like the elephant in the room is brushed under the carpet, mm. basically. Yeah. Gosh. And um, what effect do you think that had on you um, then going forward from there? The fact that not only had you been through abuse, but you maybe hadn't been protected yeah. and looked after and covered in the way that you would want to be. I think it probably made me angry. Um, and I don't know who at, but more, more like with the, with the abduction, the attempted abductions, that when I told my parents about that, it didn't ever, it was never reported to the police. And then when this happened, that wasn't reported to the police. So it kind of made me think, what, what, if something happens, then you don't, there's no, there's no point talking about it yeah. because you ne it's never going to be taken seriously or, yeah, seriously. So did you, do you think you buried it? Definitely buried it, yeah, definitely buried it. Um, and then probably, I must have been about 18, 19 years old, and we, uh, me and my friends had gone to the Herne Bay, um, to my parents' sort of uh, home, like a home down there. We went, went and stayed, friends went down there for the, for the weekend, and we had a big session of drink and drugs, um, which is what we used to get up to at that age. I remember coming home um, from work on the Monday, and two plainclothes police officers pulled up at the same time as I did. And they said that they were from Canterbury Police. And I instantly thought, what did I get up to <laughs> <laughs> the weekend? I can't, I can't remember <laughs> what, anything being that bad. So um, they asked to speak to my parents. I said, yeah, they're indoors. And then I legged it round to my friend's house to try and work out what we've got up to. Maybe half an hour or so later, I got a phone call to come home. And um, basically, the, the relative that had abused us um, had been arrested. He'd moved to... Um, to Herne Bay as well, coincidentally. And he had abused his whole entire street oh. as well. And people, he, he used to live in uh, Devon. He'd abused the people of, of that village as well. So his, his crime was huge. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so um, you mentioned there about your weekend with your friends. Yeah. And then you, you talk a lot about, um, you've been through addiction, yeah. haven't you, as well? Do you want to talk a, a little bit about kind of what maybe what it did to your life and um and then we'll, we'll move on from there yeah sure so addiction i i look back on after going through a 12-step recovery program i can look back on my life and see that i was actually addicted from a really young age um i used to so I had this caravan at the um herm bay which is the sea, sea, seaside town i used to put all my money into the fruit machine and that was like sort of seven years old sort of age. So looking back through do, doing a 12-step recovery programme, I can see I was always addicted, but I never knew that I was addicted. Yeah. Um, 17, 18, I started, um, started smoking cigarettes. And then from smoking cigarettes, I started smoking marijuana. And then from getting a, a high from, from marijuana, it made me think, well, what do other drugs do? And moved on to ecstasy and then eventually on to cocaine. And my cocaine... Um, usage was probably from 18 to, to 30 years old. Wow. Yeah, and that completely consumed my whole life as well. Um, 
the money that I spent on it, the lives that I would tell to get more money to, 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 to use it after I'd spent all my wages or the lives that I'd tell my family of where my money was going or yeah. where I was spending my time, yeah. And so, so that's quite a, a life that you've had. How is your life now so radically different from what it was then? What happened to you? Jesus. It's <laughs> um, the right answer. <laughs> so basically, like I say, I was a cocaine addict for my 20s. And I remember it was, I was coming up to my 30th birthday and I wanted to throw a big 30th birthday party and um, celebrate being 30. But I kept spending all of my money each month on drugs. And so I went on a 12-step I came clean about who I was. No one actually knew that I was a, a drug addict. My family didn't know. Um, so I sat them down, told them, went to a 12-step recovery um, program. And through going through that 12-step recovery program, I was told to do many different things. But one of the things was to pray every day to, a, to God in the morning and to God in the evening, asking him to keep me clean for the day, I hate that word, <clears throat> clean, because I never thought I was dirty, but to stop me from using drugs for the, for the day and then to thank him for that at the end of the day. So regardless of if you were a person of faith, you were encouraged to pray? Yeah. Right. Because you've tried to stop doing drugs by your own accord before you got to a 12-step recovery program. That's like the last resort. And yeah. they say, we've tried everything else, and I'll hand it over to, to the will of God. So I didn't believe in God. Um, it felt like I was praying or talking to myself. I was embarrassed about doing it every morning and every evening. I'd lock myself in the bathroom to do it. And it never felt long enough, my prayer. I'd say, dear God, please stop me, stop, keep me clean from using drugs today. Amen. And then I'd add the Lord's Prayer on just to make it feel like I'd done a, a, like a good little bit of prayer time. Seamless link to our series, thank you. Indeed. Yep. <laughs> so um, that was my, my prayer life, on my knees every morning and every evening. But it just felt like I was talking to myself. It felt like I was... It just felt silly. And I can remember saying to my sponsor after the first week, um, he said, are you doing your prayers? And I said, I'm doing them, but I don't feel like they're working. And mm. he said to me, have you done drugs this week? To which I said, no. He said, well, it must be doing something. Oh, wow. And that kept me doing it every, every day. And then after sort of a year of going to 12-step recovery and getting some good sobriety behind me, I wanted to learn more about praying. I wanted to pray like a professional, as I called it. Um, so I spoke to somebody at work, who's now my wife, and she invited me, uh, my second wife, she invited me um, along to do Alpha. And I went to Alpha to learn how to pray. So for those who don't know, what yeah. is Alpha? So Alpha is an introduction to the Christian call, um, to the Christian faith. faith. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it's a course, it, it explores sort of 10 to 12 topics. Um, one being forgiveness, which we're speaking on today. Um, and it just gives you, it's a safe space to ask questions about faith, basically. Okay. So I went to Alpha to learn how to pray, not to find God. And I look back at it now and I think, well, who are you going to pray to? Yeah. It's just kind of like a, a silly thing. But um, I went to Alpha to, to, to learn how to pray. And part of the Alpha course, we went for the weekend to like a Pontins, Butlin sort of um, place. To, to learn about the Holy Spirit. So we went, to, um, we went away for the weekend, had a huge encounter with the Holy Spirit. And from that moment, it made me think, what am I doing with my life? What, um, could you describe what that encounter uh, was or felt like? Or? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I heard the voice of God, basically. Um, you had, you've, the audible, the voice, audible of voice of God. The audible voice of God. It was after the weekend, it was on the Monday, and I was driving down a country lane, and it was raining, the windscreen wipers were going, <coughs> and the radio was on. And I'd gone on Alpha to learn how to pray. And so I'd been on the weekend away, and then I'd started to pray out loud for the first time. And I thought to myself, next time I've got my children for the weekend, I'm going to pray for them at supper time and pray for them when I put them to bed so they can see a distinctive difference from dad who is a drug addict to dad who is trying to turn his life around. And at that moment, I just thought to myself, I'll pray for them now. And as I did, it was like someone entered my body and took control of the car. And it, it, the, the audible voice of God said to me that Jesus is real, he's alive and he loves you. And I can remember kind of saying, like, come again. And, and it repeated it, Jesus is real, he's alive and he loves you. And then it was like I was back in the car. And you don't expect to hear the audible voice of God when you're driving down the road. And when I look back to why I attended Alpha, do I... To pray, do I need to be on my knees, locked in a bathroom, or can I do it on the tube, or can I do it walking down the road, or do I have to do it in the church, to have my eyes opened or closed? Now, you can do it driving down the road with the radio on, the windscreen wipers going, yeah. and he hears your prayers. Yeah, so, it's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, so, as we said, we're, gonna, we're looking at the passage of forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Um, and in this, um, Jesus is instructing us to first ask forgiveness um, from God for the things that we've done wrong, and then in turn that we can then forgive other people. Um, and it's interesting that if you read the Lord's Prayer in Matthew, from, uh, it goes from Matthew um, 6, verse 9 to 13. It's kind of the prayer in that part there. But Jesus ends the whole thing off in verse 14 with, um, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive you. Um, and I, I know that when I look at the Bible, I feel like forgiveness is a non-negotiable in Scripture. Um, there's a story in Matthew, we were talking about it before, in Matthew yeah. 18, that there's a king and this king is owed a lot of money by somebody, uh, like the equivalent to a billion pounds or something. Um, and he lets this person off. He extends mercy to this person, says, I forgive you for your debt to me. Um, but then this person leaves the prison and he goes to somebody who owes him money, a lot less, like say a thousand pounds, and he won't extend mercy to him. And then the king hears that the guy he's let off won't let off another person. Um, and then he gets so enraged that he brings him back into prison to pay off his debt. And so I, I see it within scripture that um, God is serious when it comes to forgiveness. Uh, I think there's 62 passages that refer to the word forgive in scripture and 27 to forgiveness. Um, but the, what I find is the issue is not one of them tells me how to do it. And um, we were saying again before, it feels like the Nike of instructions, like just do it. Um, <laughs> but so, Gav, so someone who's been through trauma, yeah. who's been through abuse, who's almost been abducted, who's been through these things. Um, and I think we were saying again, like how it can, e it can be very easy in life to blame our poor Life choices. choices. Yeah. As you said, you, you went into addiction and I'm sure you did a lot of things in there that you regretted. Um, how could you then go from um, being a person... It's very easy to not take responsibility. It's Correct, not my yeah. fault. Of course. Blame the person who did this to me. They've yeah. created me. So how did you then come to a place of asking God to forgive you? Yeah. So 
In terms of asking God to forgive me for the wrongs I'd done, the lies that I'd, I'd said, the, you know, the money that I'd spent, it took... I didn't even realise I needed to ask for that forgiveness at the beginning because I, it was a 12-step recovery programme that I attended before becoming a Christian. And in that 12-step recovery programme, it probably took me two or three months to forgive myself before I could accept forgiveness from my family because my family instantly forgave me when I told them. Yeah. So they, um, they, I had to forgive myself before I could accept theirs. And then it was a process of moving through the 12-step recovery, becoming sober, and then going to Alpha that I then was able to start looking at, oh, there's this Jesus, there's this God. He forgives our sins. What does that look like? And it took me... I went on that, I become a bit of an alpha addict after. <laughs> I, you do I, talk about that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I attended alpha many times. Um, but it took me three alphas to work out that Jesus wasn't a Christmas nativity, a baby in a manger. He was a real person that died on a cross for our sins. And once I, I can still remember hearing it for the third time in, a, in, a, in the talk. And it just, it, it just sort of, it was like an arrow coming out of the stage and like hitting me in the heart. And once I've, I've got, got the concept of that Jesus was, is real, is alive and he loves you, once I'd taken that head knowledge and put it into heart knowledge, it completely transformed my life hugely after that. Um, so you, you said about you had to forgive yourself. Yeah. Is that, that's probably quite a complex thing. What, what sort of things are you for, having to forgive yourself for? I had to forgive myself for, for the harm I'd done to, to myself through drink and drugs, for the lies that I told, for the... There's things that I've, and I'm too ashamed to even talk about, forget about on here, but even yeah, just yeah. you and I on a weekend in, on, in our studies. And I think back to some of the things of what I've done to get drugs, and I just... I had to forgive myself for that. Mm. Um, and once, I think, it was, it, was, it was understanding that Jesus could, would have died on that cross for me, mm. if I was the only person on this planet. Once I got that, it, it was like a weight being lifted. Yeah. It, was like, it was like a new life. A new, you know, he says he gives you a new pound of um, flesh for your heart. Like, it was like a new heart that he gave me. Wow. So you'd, forgiven, you'd, you'd got to a place where you could forgive yourself, which yeah. is, I think, one of the hardest things to do. <laughs> Um, and you've done that by accepting that God forgives you. Yeah. And, um, and you'd say you've forgiven the, your abuser. Yeah, so my abuser, when, when he was arrested, he reached out um, through the police to say that he wanted to sp sp meet with the people that he had abused to, to say sorry, to which obviously I said no, I wasn't a Christian, I was 18 years old. Um, that's not something I was going to entertain, but through going through 12-step, through going through Alpha, through becoming a Christian, I've learned to forgive myself, but then forgive him. Like, as if Jesus has forgiven me, then who am I to not forgive others? And I do forgive him now. That, and I think it's through, it's, it's been through talking to people about it and sharing my story that, Every time I do that, I, I realise how free I am from yeah. the captive that I was before. Um, and 
as I'm speaking, and even now as I'm sharing, I, I can, f and I, I just feel free as I speak about it. There's no shame, there's no hiding it in. So I know I've forgiven him. And if I was to, if he was to reach out now and say, I'd like to meet with you, 100%. I'd, and I also see people who abuse. I see them as people that are unwell. I can't imagine they actually want to do that. Like, I didn't want to be a drug addict, but I couldn't stop myself. And I, I've, I believe that they are just, they're unwell in a different way. Yeah. Um, Reminds me of the bit Paul talks about in Romans where he says that I knew the sin that I shouldn't do, but I had no... <laughs> I had no power within me yeah. to, to not do to that not sin. Do it, like, yeah. I, didn't, I knew I didn't want to do it, but I just felt compelled yeah. to do it. And I think that's when he talks, obviously, about... Actually, the, that's the gospel, is that Jesus can come in and he can break that power of yeah. sin that compels us to do the things that we don't want to do. Yeah. Um, so, so what does it mean for you to be forgiven? What does it look like for Gavin Cutler to be forgiven? To be forgiven, um, I mean, it's just... It's freeing and it's... So for me to be forgiven is empowering me to live out my calling now. So um, I'm sure you're probably going to come onto it, but part of my, my work now as studying and training to be an ordained priest is I go into prisons, yeah. to, um, to Wormer Scrubs Prison. And I was invited to Pentonville Prison before I attended Scrubs to give my testimony. And I gave my testimony and I said about the abuse and that I'd forgiven my abuser. And at the end of the talk, this guy came up to me and he, was, he said to me, do you honestly forgive him? And I, was, I said, yeah, I do. He said, do you think someone could forgive me for the crimes that I've done? Wow. And I was like, I believe they can, but I don't, without knowing them, like, but yeah, mm. I do believe. But I said, but Jesus forgives you. You need to you're in the right place in the yeah. sense of you're, you're, in a, you're in a chapel, okay, in a prison, but you're in a chapel, you're using your time well. So I asked, yeah, we prayed together and, and asked for, for him to accept God's forgiveness. Wow. Um, but for Gavin Cutler to be forgiven, it, it's empowering me to be able to go and bring hope to, to people that are survivors of abuse, but to also people that have done the abusing. Yeah. It's given both of us, it's given from the work that I can go and do in prisons, it gives them. The, yeah. The That's fascinating. That reminds me of, um, I think it's in Isaiah 61, where uh, Jesus actually reads from Isaiah 61 when he first proclaims his public ministry in the temple. And, um, and it says that he came to set the prisoners and the captives, captives free. free. Yeah. And obviously, if you're a captive, then something, someone's invaded you or your territory yeah. and has taken you against your will. There's force into putting you in prison. So it's not your fault. Yeah. Prisoners have done something wrong. That's why they're in there. Correct. And as you said, either way, whether you did something wrong or something was done well, so something was done wrong to you, Jesus is going to set you free. Yeah. And That's you're, amazing. Either you've done something wrong or someone's done something to you, you're still a prisoner. You're either a prisoner of the fear and the shame and the guilt yeah. as the survivor or the victim yeah. and you're incarcerated if you are the abuser so forgiveness is almost like that tool that sets you free sets you free so forgiveness is there it, the whole point of it is is for us to be free from those things that held us back yeah so um how how would you how do you forgive how do you forgive um it's a process i think for sure there's a saying isn't there about 
if you don't forgive, it's like drinking poison and expecting the other person that, that's harmed you to, to suffer from it. Yeah. The only person suffering by not forgiving is you. Yeah. Like that person doesn't care that you have, haven't moved on or you know, they're probably not even thinking about how they've harmed you. Or they could be dead and long gone. Yeah, right? exactly. And you're anymore. still yeah. you know, resenting and, and stewing on it. For me, part of um, prayer is obviously key to how to forgive, asking God to take away the, the, the feelings that you're feeling towards the person that you need to forgive. <clears throat> um, and you don't need to physically go and tell them, I forgive you, but that might be something that might be a process of, a sort of way of drawing a line. I, forgive, I don't forget, but I, I forgive you. Yeah. And that, that could also be part of a process for somebody that wants to forgive somebody yeah and um counseling is quite an important part of this as well isn't it yeah. so as much as we we firmly believe in the power of prayer and we believe that god can set us free through prayer we also believe that this can be done through god's family and through good counselors as well which um, i've done plenty of which yeah yeah and i you know i definitely think it's it's a good thing to have engaged with as well and just on that i remember when i was talking when i went to counseling for the for the, well, for the first time but halfway through that uh, counseling course if you like when we spoke about the abuse and but the actual abuse happening I spoke about things that I'd never spoken about before in that and I remember coming home to tell my wife she was like how was your counseling session I told her and then I was physically sick wow it was that free at that point even when I said that I'd already I would already said that I forgive my abuser at that point there was still stuff buried down inside me that by speaking out, it was a release, there's further release in that. So counselling is definitely something yeah. I'd highly recommend. And that's what you're saying, it's a process. Yeah. You know, the, and for you, the, the, the key to unlock that sounds like it was 12-step recovery. And, yeah. and the key in that was prayer and then finding Jesus to set you free as well. Um, and we were talking a bit before as well, like for me, there's this, um, there's a brilliant analogy about how if somebody came and smashed glass yeah. in my hand, um, my natural reaction would be to close up. But actually, to be able to be freed from that, I need to open up my hand and mm -hmm. allow God to come in, take out the, the glass yeah. and heal my wounds. And again, forgiveness being that, that way of allowing him to do that. Um, so, um, so yeah, we kind of touched on that, but what happens when we let go? When we let go, you're free to be able to accept God's love. What God's calling you to do. I don't believe, let's say God's got a plan for your life. I don't believe God's plan for me was to have two attempted deductions, be abused, married, divorced, drug addict. Yeah. But by going through that and then being, accepting God's forgiveness and forgiving myself for it, it's then using, I'm able to use those things to talk today, to speak in prisons. That having that, confidence and that freeness and not being held back and there's no shame yeah it takes away the shame yeah. and it takes away the anger remember i said at the beginning about how did it make you feel i said it probably made me angry it's taken that anger back now it's all i'm now i now live a life for god which is just the best place to be right you get to hang out with me <laughs> i get to hang yeah. out with you you get to hang out with me yeah. <laughs> um and I, I think for me like i think you know that you've been healed when you can talk about things um, and openly yeah. and, and the way Gav has done now. And also that you know, 
Um, you know you've been healed when you can genuinely pray, and as Gav was saying, for the person who's abused you as well. And again, we don't take these things lightly. That's why I wanted Gav to come and talk to us, was because like, these, things are, these things are hard. It's probably the hardest things that we'll do. But again, what we do know is that God can come in and completely transform our lives. Um, Gav, you've spoken so powerfully and wonderfully today. You're such a testament to the power of God in our lives, but also to somebody who's done the work needed. And I heard a, a quote the other day, which I liked, and I used it in another preach, which was like, our past can become a prison or it can become a school. It can educate you um, or it can imprison you. Yeah. And actually, if we put the work in with God that it demands, that he can take our past and transform it. He can redeem our past and transform yeah. our future. And um, I've known you for a good few years now, and it's really exciting for me to see where God's taking you in this process as well. Uh, so thank you for being such a, a leader in this. Thank you for being such a good friend. Um, and just as we finish, is there any last thing you'd like to say to somebody watching this? And then if you could finish with a prayer, that would be fantastic. Sure, thank you for, again for inviting me down. It's been great. In terms of, if there's somebody here today watching this that is suffering or suffered or but in silence, I, I, I ask you to reach out and speak to somebody, someone that you can confide in who won't judge you and ask them to process it with you. A problem shared is a problem halved. I always believe that. So I would say pray about it. Pray to God who, who you should speak to and have the confidence that, there's, that you will get help for it would be my, my advice. Should we pray? Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for Chris. Thank you for this talk that we've been able to give today, Lord. And Father, I pray for anybody that's watching that is a victim or a survivor of abuse or addiction or any, anything where they're carrying that's not of you, Lord. I pray that you break it in the name of Jesus. I pray that you draw closer to those people. I pray that you give them your peace and they can feel your love, Lord. Holy Spirit, I say, ask that you fill each and every one of us. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gav, for your time and for your bravery um, and just for everything you were able to share and to inspire us um, that, you know, Jesus is good. Um, despite some things that we go through, that there's always hope for a better future. Um, as I said, talking about forgiveness, it does remind us of our past and it is often painful. Um, and sometimes as a result of that, you, you know, we feel angry. Um, and I just want to say that's also normal. Emotions are normal. Paul says in Ephesians to, um, that you can be angry, but just don't allow the anger to consume you as well. Um, and so forgiveness is, is like a, it's a release valve um, from the pressure that, of pain that builds up within us. Um, forgiveness is not letting the other person off. I know that we often think that, that, oh, I don't want to let them get away with it. It's not that. Forgiveness is about freeing yourself from almost being tethered to this thing that happened or, or the thing that was said or done to you or, or these things. And forgiveness is not just about abuse. It's about all things that we can feel resentment and bitterness and, and disappointment about as well. Um, forgiveness is a tool to bring about healing and transformation, as we've seen in Gav's life. Um, the word forgive, the Hebrew word forgive is um, afiyami, um, and it, it actually means to send away, and it's to send away our suffering, to send away our pain. Um, we started the series by talking about God being the perfect father, 
Um, and good parents don't want their kids to suffer. Um, so they help them to get better. And forgiveness is a gift from the Father to help us move and, and, to, and to heal and to, to have this life that he's got for us. Um, and I know, I know for a fact some of you have suffered terrible pain. Um, and, and you may be thinking that, Chris, this is just too hard. Like, I can't do it. Um, and again, I just want to say that that's, that's understandable. Um, and Jesus knows that. And he's not going to leave us in that place. Um, I think there's a principle in the Bible, um, and it doesn't apply to everything, um, but it, I think it may apply here. And it's that um, we first, we love other people. We love because we were first loved. The, we, it says the goodness of God leads to repentance. There's something about sometimes we need to kind of receive something and some sort of healing before we can, can give out to other people. Um, and, and I think that maybe that's why God says that we need to ask him for forgiveness before we can forgive other people. Um, that it's about us receiving this freedom um, from our own past to then help set other people free too. Um, and maybe today the first step for some of you in your, in your journey of forgiveness is, is just that, is to say, God, can you, can you forgive me for the things I've done wrong? I'm not ready yet to talk about the other people, um, but this, it's a step-by-step process. Um, um, so we say, God, can you forgive me? And then in that, can you give me the strength and the grace to forgive others? To, so we receive his forgiveness first. And then I think that that could empower us to then move forward in forgiving other people and being free. As Gav, as Gav said, healing um, and forgiveness can be a process. Um, and sometimes we need help. We, we need each other. We need Jesus. Um, and do you know what? Sometimes we need professional help too. And that is, that is a, it's, I thank God for professional help. Um, the good news is there is a way out and there is hope for a future. So um, in a moment, I'm going to pray. Um, and so whether you're asking for forgiveness for something you've done or maybe something you're still doing, um, maybe you want God to help you to forgive others because you feel like you're not there yet, but you want to ask God to help you to do that um, for something maybe they've done or, or still being, still doing. Or maybe you want God to help you to forgive yourself. Um, the good news is that Jesus is here. He's with you now. Um, and he came, as we said, to set both captives and prisoners free. So right now I'm going to pray a prayer of forgiveness for other people. Um, and where you are, if you can, if this is relevant to you, then repeat these words after me. Holy Spirit, will you come and consume me with your love? Father, only you know how much I've been hurt by this person. I don't want to carry the pain for another moment. I don't want to be bitter. But I need your grace and power and the power of the cross to release my hurt and to forgive those who've hurt me. But first, I need to experience your forgiveness. You know all the things I've done wrong, and I'm sorry for my sins. Jesus, thank you for destroying the power of sin and for dying for me. I accept your grace and forgiveness. And I need that daily. Today, I'm turning to you. And I'm choosing to forgive the way that you've forgiven me.
And every time that memory comes back, I'm going to turn to you and I'm going to forgive that person until the pain is gone. Father, heal my heart with your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.